Welcome to Bible Believers Fellowship and the ministry of BBFOhio.com. I'm Pastor Greg, and I welcome you to our current events update, and then our study in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 12, titled, Paul versus Elimus. The conclusion of this two-part message can be found at BBFOhio.com. As we now begin, this is part one of two. The current events update. Israel at war today, January 28, 24, day 113 of the war. And we know the United Nations is anti-Israel. We haven't said much about that, but it's just a fact. Uh, several UNRWA, I think how they pronounce that, uh, it's the United Nations Relief and Work Agency, um, were, first of all, were it was noted that they were on social media and other places praising the Hamas slaughter, rape, and beheadings on October 7th. The United Nations workers should not be doing that. No human being that isn't devil-possessed should be doing that. And uh, one of them posted, This is an unforgettable, glorious morning. What a splendid sight, another one said, of uh, the attacks of October 7th. So the United States, the United Kingdom, and a number of other countries have uh, paused their funding, uh, which sounds like it's, that's the right thing to do. Uh, but uh, here's the statement. The United States is extremely troubled by the allegations that 12, this is in addition to what I just told you about the people praising it, 12 unraw employees have been involved in the October 7 Hamas terrorist attack on Israel. The Department of State has temporarily paused uh, additional funding for the UN agency while we review these allegations and steps the United Nations is taking to address them. But the Hamas infiltration of UN aid organizations has been known for decades. This isn't a big surprise to anybody who's paid attention to the United Nations. This is a report that was posted uh, 16, 17, I'm sorry, almost 17 years ago, 2007, how UNRWA supports Hamas. Unfortunately, UNRWA has never taken steps to withhold assistance to extremist groups. In some cases, it has cooperated openly with terrorists. And today, UNRWA provides assistance in Gaza. It is directly providing financial and material support to the Hamas terrorist organization. So they act like this is some big surprise or shock. It's, it's been known for decades that they, well, since 1948, the United Nations has been helping the enemies of Israel. Go do a little research on the uh, condemnations that they passed, resolutions condemning nations. They have passed more against Israel than the entire world combined. Think of all the atrocities committed by just the Muslims in this world, and yet Israel's condemnations outnumber all of those combined with the rest of the world combined. It's just an amazing thing. I'll just say this before we move on. One of the greatest signs that we are in the last days is that people will not endure sound doctrine, and more and more preachers and professing Christians are turning against Israel. 
That is a sign of a satanic deception taking place among Christians. If you don't understand that the Jews are lost, need Jesus, and at the same time are still God's chosen nation for which Jesus Christ is going to return and save the remnant at the end of the tribulation and rule and reign as King of the Jews over the entire world, King of kings and Lord of lords from the throne of David in Jerusalem, you're an ignoramus at best if not devil-possessed. There's something wrong with a Christian who can read the Bible and still say that God doesn't have a plan for Israel. There has to be a spiritual explanation for such ignorance. But we're seeing it in a growing amount of preachers and movements and people as we go into the last days. The second thing I want to mention is surveillance society. We've talked about a number of facets about this otherwise called Big Brother, if you read the 1984 Orwellian version uh, of this whole surveillance society. The NSA, which is a uh, black op, (laughs) they're in a black budget, as they call it, because that means it's dark, you can't see how they're spending money, you can't see what they're doing. And the NSA is buying Americans' internet browsing records without a warrant. Now, this is what's openly admitted, by the way. We'll come back to that in a second. The spy agency argues the practice is entirely legal until a U.S. court says otherwise. That's their, it's illegal, but they're saying, well, until a court and a judge says otherwise, what do they do? They always make sure they go to a neocon or progressive liberal judge. They, they pick and choose who they stand in front of when it comes to court. Now... Nakasone is uh, our spokesperson said for the NSA. He said, the NSA purchases various types of information from data brokers for foreign intelligence, cybersecurity, and other authorized mission purposes. That's his statement. And that some of the data may come from devices used outside and in certain cases inside the United States. In some cases, that's baloney. Look, I just, I don't buy it. I believe everything on the internet, everything you send out on your phone, everything is going to a data warehouse filled with massive storage capabilities. That's just a fact. Here's, watch this. In a field in Utah, about a half hour south of Salt Lake City, a massive construction project is wrapping up. When it is completed in a few months, it will be the world's largest repository of digital information. Its owners, the U.S. National Security Agency, the NSA. James Bamford has been writing about the NSA for more than 30 years. All the information will be stored there, and then people at NSA headquarters or at their different listening posts around the world will be able to dip into it. It's called the Utah Data Center, sprawling more than 450,000 square meters with its own power plant, water pumping station to cool the servers, and intense security. It's a key part of the NSA strategy. Gather as much information as possible from as many sources as possible and use it to stop terrorist attacks and create strategic advantages over rival countries. What this is really about is the ability to take a lot of data and learn things that you otherwise can't. And to do that, you need to throw mountains of information at very powerful computers. Where the data is coming from is what concerns privacy advocates. So if I make a phone call, send a text message, do a Google search on my phone, that's information that could end up at this data center in Utah? 
Oh, definitely, any kind of communication. The NSA declined to provide an on-camera interview, but in a statement says, many unfounded allegations have been made about the planned activities of the data center. One of the biggest misconceptions about NSA is that we are unlawfully listening in on or reading emails of U.S. citizens. This is simply not the case. They're liars. Yeah, this is the same agency that said they weren't doing that when they were doing the illegal warrantless wiretapping for two and a half years. They were lying to the American public then. They're lying to the American public now. Once collected, the fear is that data stored here could be hacked from outside or leaked by people on the inside. The only real policy solution is to try to bind ourselves in advance and limit how much data we're collecting and how it's going to be used. But the NSA is one of the most secretive agencies in the U.S. government, with little oversight from Congress. Even its budget is not publicly released. So what data is stored here and where it came from will likely never be fully known. Critics of the NSA say collecting this much data not only has the potential to invade people's privacy, but may be ineffective at stopping terrorist attacks. Intelligence work, they say, is like finding a needle in a haystack, and collecting this much data is simply adding more hay to the stack. And if you keep adding more electronic hay onto the electronic haystack, you're never going to find that electronic needle, and that's what's needed. But there's no sign the NSA or intelligence agencies in other countries are slowing down this hunt for data and information. Is this an arms race for data? Yeah, it's very much an arms race for data. And this data center in Utah is soon to be the United States' biggest weapon in its information arsenal. Jim Spellman, CCTV, Bluffdale, Utah. Now, first of all, I was born at night, but not last night. And the NSA is probably collecting all data, period. I'd say probably just because, I mean, they might not... Uh, collect something here or there for whatever reason. But another thing is, if that concerned you, then I hate to tell you, that was 15 years ago. Imagine what the secretive agency that no one knows is doing, what they're doing now, 15 years later. Data warehousing is now in overdrive. And I'll guarantee you, any private company storing your data, the NSA has access to it. Don't kid yourself otherwise. The heated debate over data centers in Northern Virginia continues. We've covered it extensively here on Fox 5. And we know that Virginia has the highest concentration of data centers in the country. So you're probably wondering, could my backyard be next? Our Katie Barlow has been digging into this. Katie, would you find out? Well, Marina, the short answer is if you live in Virginia, don't expect the data center development boom to slow down anytime soon. And Marylanders could be next. In Virginia, it all started as a draw for high-speed connectivity, due in part to the placement of the Pentagon there. But the reasons to build in Virginia have only grown since. One is unparalleled connectivity. The second is reliable and environmentally clean energy. And the third is a, a mutually beneficial incentive program in the state of Virginia. According to a recent state audit, Virginia taxpayers provided more than $1 billion through the data center exemption in 2022. But not everyone agrees with Factoro. Ivy Main with Virginia Sierra Club says data centers are ramping up demand on utilities, and that will end up costing ratepayers more in the long run. They now, remember North Pole. 
that takes care of a lot of this energy issue the, uh, and the processing and everything. So if you take what we told you in recent weeks, combined with this, that's just two states, folks. Just in two states, it's coming to your backyard. <laughs> that's AWS, it was just Amazon services. $3.5 billion is being spent for five more Ohio data centers, and they share all that information with the government, just rest assured, no matter what they say. Microsoft looks to buy 300 acres of land in Ohio for data warehouses. That's just two companies in Ohio. And folks, they're all working together. We know that for a fact now. It's not even, that's not a conspiracy theory, it's a fact. And we could spend an hour and not exhaust all the data on <laughs> or about data. I mean, just all the different places where they're building these massive warehouses that are going to hold all this information. And yes, it will be used against you. The amount of data storage by governments and private companies is beyond anything that any of us can even imagine. Um, we can't imagine, this, the whole world has gone into an area where we, we can't even really, most of us will admit it. We can't put a, tell me, explain to me a trillion dollars. And how many trillions are we now in debt as a country? I think it's, is it 32 or something like that? And explain to me the, 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 the amount of data is in like, is it called exabytes or something like that? I mean, it's just something, it doesn't mean anything to anybody who can think. I mean, it's like it's beyond. It's not infinity, but... <laughs> and it's all preparing the way for the Antichrist system that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, it's, it's, there's a lot that goes into that we don't have time to get into, but again... Uh, I say this, it, some people sometimes get a little depressed because they see the darkness the surrounding us, everything going on. It should do the opposite to you as a Bible believer. As a Bible believer, you should be thinking, wow, God is amazing. God's Word is amazing. God has told us every bit of this beforehand. If you're sitting there shocked, shame on you. You shouldn't be shocked. The Bible has told you ahead of time this is all going to happen. And if you're getting depressed... Shame on you. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. You should be encouraged knowing God is in control. God's word is true. And everything he says, including how it all ends up, is all true. Amen, amen. amen. Be informed. Pray accordingly. Acts chapter 13. We start a new chapter. Verses 1 through 12. Paul versus Elimus is why I've, uh, what we've titled this. And uh, I have the sword fight. I'll explain that. Uh, later, if I'd had a little more time and foresight, I would have got some swords and had Charlie and uh, Brian or somebody do a little sorting, uh, what do they call it? fencing? <laughs> so we open chapter 13 with Saul now called Paul in this chapter dealing with a bold enemy of the gospel of Christ. You know, the enemies of Christ are very bold. We have to be as bold and more bold. Amen? So, verses 1 through 12, we're going to read, and I'll ask you to join me in the even verses. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, 
as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul, and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimus the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled the, with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him, and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Amen? So Saul, which we see is now going to be referred to as Paul, beginning here, begins his first mission journey. So Saul and Barnabas are sent. We'll see that in the first three verses. Elimus then has what I call his treachery takes place in verses 4 through 8. And then we see the battle, Paul versus Elimus, verses 9 through 12. So let's start there with Saul and Barnabas being sent here in verses 1 through 3. It says in verse 1, now there were in the church that was at Antioch. I'm going to stop there. It's important that as we read through the Bible, we recognize that local churches are not multiple choice to Christians. Christians who are not in, in a local church in one way or another. In this day and age, they have the option, as more churches go into apostasy, they can at least be online with a church and connect with the church in that way. Uh, but that's God's plan for every believer. There's no such thing as the spiritual gift of being a Lone Ranger. Amen. No, that's not an option for Christians who are right with God. There was a church, and all the people in the region attended that church at Antioch. God's will is for believers to meet and serve. That's the other thing. You don't come to church saying, I better get something out of this. Well, you should get something out of it, but that shouldn't be your attitude. You should be, I hope that I can be a blessing to somebody. Amen. And it doesn't have to be anything big. Uh, I mean, anything done in front of everybody or anything like that, I, I want to tell you something. Folks who clean up after themselves, you're a blessing. <laughs> and those of you who are cleaning up after other people, you're a blessing. Um, and then sometimes, you know, uh, I make a mess and forget about it. 
and uh, you know, you, you, somebody comes after me, that's a blessing. And now if I made it a habit, you know, you'd probably, Jenny would say something. But, <laughs> but also, we don't have this as much now, but you know, when you see a mother and uh, her husband, or sometimes it might be a single mother who would come in here with children, and you help them out. Or see somebody having stru struggling getting through the door because they're maybe using a cane or something, go open the door for them. You know, that's just little things that we do coming with the right attitude. We come not to be ministered to, but to minister. Who else came for that same reason? Jesus. Did you know that? The Bible says He came not to be ministered to, but to minister. And that should be our attitude at all times. But how can you do that if you don't even get together with a local church? I say that because it's becoming more and more. Hebrews predicted that. He said, you know, we should not forsake the gathering of ourselves together. Paul wrote that. He said, even more as you see the day approaching. Why? Because it's clear in his other epistles that would be the habit of people. They would start to stay away from local churches and everything. And I understand people get hurt in local churches. Or they, get, they go to a church for years and it turns on them and they start using the ESV and preaching Calvinism and go, or going charismatic or just get nasty or whatever. That doesn't mean you give up on God. You give up on that local church, you go find another one. You live in a place, we have a bunch of people right now watching in, in numerous states and several other countries right now watching because where they live, they don't have a Bible-believing church to drive to. Well, you're welcome here. We welcome you. Now, but you know how many people over the years I've told, hey, I found a church in your area. You should go visit it. We're not here to try to collect everybody around the world who could go to a local church. But if you don't have one, we welcome you. And we've had a number of families. We kind of lost contact with most of them because they get in that local church and get busy. Yes. Praise the Lord. We'll catch up in heaven. Amen? <laughs> so, uh, how many remember we're in Antioch here? Antioch was where the disciples were called Christians first. So if you were to drive through Antioch, I'm sure they had a church sign, and it said, Christians, you heard it here first. <laughs> right? Wouldn't you expect that back in, you know, 40 AD or whenever this was? <laughs> Is it? <Yeah. laughs> That's photoshopped. <laughs> All right, so verse 1 continues. Prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene. The word Niger means black. Amen. That's all it means. And uh, it, the word Negro is the same. It's, it originally wasn't a slam. Amen. It became a slam. And uh, my only fault for those in the black community is that they allow it to be a slam, but then they, so many of their most popular artists use it all the time. You know what I'm saying? That's only my, my big criticism uh, when it comes to that word. I don't use that word. I won't use, there are cer certain words I won't use if I know that you don't want me to use that word. But we talked about people with the word queer. And whew, people are just brainwashed into revolting if someone says that word. And yet what's John Allball run into when he goes to an art show is some homo walking around with the word queer right on his t-shirt. They call themselves that. But why do they do it? It's about power. 
It's about you bowing to them and not using words they can use, but you're not allowed to use. Same thing's going on in the uh, civil rights movement right now. The people in power are not interested in what the real people in the streets are going through. It's all about them maintaining power over you. And I say that because we're going to see an instance of it right here in this text. Same thing. Nothing's ever changed. What is it? Ecclesiastes 1 9. The thing that hath been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. So when you see any group being controlled by people who are only interested in maintaining that control, that's been like that since the beginning of time. Now, men um, listed in this text, by the way, just I always like to point this out are uh, people that we will one day meet in the New Jerusalem. So keep that in mind. You read through these names. Just take a moment to let that name sink in. You might want to remember one of these days. <laughs> We're going to meet these people in heaven. Amen. Heaven is real. And regarding the matter of prophets and acts, we refer you to our discussion uh, back in Acts 11, 27 to 30. And in these days came prophets. So I'm not going to go on and on about that. But verse 1 ends and says, And Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who is Paul. Think of that. Herod's foster brother is among the prophets and teachers at Antioch. And Herod's a wicked, nasty man. He's been killing Christians. And his own foster brother is a Christian. Madeline Murray O'Hare. Did you know her son became a Christian? <laughs> there are all kinds of examples like that through the years where uh, some of the most rabid anti-Christian people and spouses or offspring.